You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Football season is also tailgating season in that Four River Smokehouse for a limited time. Take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus. Starting at $3 a month, get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shout-outs, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Plenty to talk about, but not necessarily a game preview this week. It's Florida Samford. We know Florida should win this game. I know not many of you out there are excited about Samford. We'll get into it a tiny bit here, but it's more about off-the-field talk right now, even though it's during football season. A lot of uh, the talk around Gator Nation right now, staff changes. So with that, let's talk defensive coordinator today. Hot board coming at you. Some candidates that I think Florida should target, go after, and um, replacing Todd Grantham as the defensive coordinator for the Florida Gators. So some few names here I think um, – We'll get a, would get us excited uh, a bit. Some rec- guys with some recruiting background, some coaching background, some with both. Uh, of course, you want both here, uh, but you know more. Some of them may be more known for one than the other. Uh, but we know the recruiting part's got to get figured out here. But I'll go both angles uh, just a bit here, uh, as far as looking for a defensive coordinator. So some names you are probably familiar with, some not so familiar with. So plenty, plenty of names uh, to get in there as far as. Who is on my hot board for defensive coordinator for the University of Florida? Uh, before we get that, we'll get Dan Mullen uh, talked on the SEC coaches teleconference. That's uh, so a kind of a virtual phone call uh, event that's every Monday. So um, since I wasn't in Gainesville on Monday, um, now with the in-person press conferences, uh, this is making it a little e- easier. I can ask my questions here on the SEC teleconference. So got in, uh, asked some questions along with some other media members out there. So I'll let you hear most of that because it's still you – know, this is going to be defensive coordinator-centric episode right here. So before we get to the hot board, uh, plenty was asked to Dan Mullen about Christian Robinson taking over for the rest of the season. So we'll get into all that uh, here on this episode of Gators for right down. But uh, like I said, not much of a Samford preview this week. I mean, I know the, the, the game itself not getting many people excited. You'll want to see some things with all the newness going on for Florida, uh, but that's really about the extent of it here. It's more about Florida than it is Sanford. Uh, you're not much interest in who the opponent is for the Gators uh, this week. So as I mentioned, Dan Mullen speaking to SEC media this uh, Wednesday here, and here are some of the highlights uh, from Mullen on the SEC teleconference. We will begin with Bob Holt of the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Uh, hey, Dan, how are you doing today? Great. Um, you know, Florida is kind of the latest team to make uh, in-season staff changes. You know, Nebraska, I think, uh, changed, changed out four coaches, and it's happening all over. Why do you think that's happening? I guess what, what's the upside to making changes in, in the season? Well, I think part of it, um, one, comes the, uh, the the early signing day, I think, has something to do with that. 
uh, right now. And at this point of the season, you're, you're several weeks away from signing day. And, and uh, if you have an idea you're going to make changes after the season, uh, you kind of look at your staff and say, hey, if I was going to make this change after the season, uh, I might as well we'll do it now as long as I can not uh, continue to, to, to get the players where we need to be um, and continue to play for this year and get our guys that experience. So um, that's one of the reasons. Uh, gives other guys opportunities for us to evaluate how they do coaching and, um, you know, and, and give them an opportunity. It's a great opportunity for a young coach like Christian Robinson. Let's see how he does, uh, you know, given that extra responsibility. So there, there's multiple factors that would go into it. Next is Zach Alberti of Gainesville Sun. Hey, Dan. Obviously, you're no stranger to searching for defensive coordinators. You hired six and you're at Mississippi State. Uh, two of the guys that you hired uh, went on to become head coaches. Just kind of what did you learn from those processes at Mississippi State about trying to find the right guy to run your defense? Well, I mean, it's a lot. It's finding the guy that, you know, anytime you're hiring a coach, it's finding the guy that, that fits, um, you know, that, that's going to hold the players accountable. Um, that's going to be sound in what they do. Uh, it's going to have, you know, the, the energy to, to get our players playing with at the level that we expect them to do play at. And that's going to fit in with the staff. I think all of those things uh, are really important. And as you said, I mean, we've been been very fortunate, had some, some great defensive coordinators throughout the year. And, uh, you know, I think two of them are now currently uh, power five head coaches. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, uh, I think as other people see that too, it makes it a, a pretty attractive job to being able to come not just to Florida, but the opportunity and looking and saying the, the what has happened and the um, the development of those coaches and what it's led to in their futures and their careers. And then with the staff changes, you know, has there been any other you know, coaching reassignments this week or, or, or even any personnel changes? Not, uh, not anything else that I don't think I covered on Monday. Sure. Okay, thanks, Dan. Next will be David Waters, Gators Breakdown. Hey, Dan, uh, will you be more involved on the defensive side to help Christian Robinson and the, the role of the veteran coaches like Wesley McGriff and David Turner? Will, will they their roles expand or stay kind of how it has been? Well, I mean, they're, they're kind of doing what it is. I mean, you get the opportunity to have a guy like Paul Pasqualoni, which is, uh, you know, one, one of the best coaches I know, great football mind. You know, I mean, his role uh, is the one that's probably ex- expanding the most being in there. Um, but I'm always involved with the defense and what's going on, what the plan is. You know, I'm not in there telling them what to run. Uh, I'm just going through what we are going to do and are we are, are, are making sure. The uh, biggest one to me is making sure we're putting, you know, our, our players in position to play to their highest of ability. You know, putting guys in the right place uh, and asking them to do things that they can do and do at a high level. And so, um, you know, I, I, I've been met with Christian and, and trying to make sure I'm helping him out of, of that. But I think we have, we have uh, as I said, we have some veteran coaches in there as well. And um, we're not going to make wholesale changes to our defensive scheme right now. You know, at this point right now, we're going to kind of, I do similar, but he's going to put his little personality on it. Put a little of his personality, not his little personality. That probably didn't sound right, but a little <laughs> of his personality twist to it. There we go. That sounds better. <laughs> all good. All good. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we'll go to Thomas Goldcamp from 24-7 Sports. Yeah, Dan, uh, I know you've mentioned this is a, a big opportunity for Christian. What is it specifically about him? Uh, that led you to to kind of promote him, and what do you think that he can bring to that spot? Well, I think I think one thing is um, he's been with the defense. You know, I mean, he's been with with me um, a long time. I think he knows the defense. Uh, really, he knows our defense inside out really well, and uh, I think he's a really sharp, bright, up and coming young coach. So um, give him the opportunity to go call plays and and uh, you know bring some energy and excitement to the defense. And um, you know, and and I'm. I'm excited to go watch us play on Saturday. Next is Anthony Dasher of Rivals.com. Hey, Dan, another question on uh, Christian just real quick. Being that he's still a pretty young guy himself, uh, how much does that help him relate to, to his players uh, out there on the field? Well, yeah, I think he does, does a real good job of that. Uh, you know, I think I was uh, – probably close to a similar age coming to Florida to be an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. um, when I came here as the offensive coordinator. I think, you know, that, that youth and uh, his ability to relate to players, you know, I mean, of of, um, of what they're doing and, 
you know, and hopefully, we, you know, I want to say that I talked to her, I, I've met with our defense, talking to them about rallying around him, you know what I mean? And, and buy into it and, and create the excitement. And I know he's going to be bringing energy and he's going to be excited for the opportunity. And I need them to match that energy with him. I think I may have cut Edgar off earlier. Edgar Thompson, did you have a follow-up? Yeah, you did, but I'm, I'm butchering this system. So all these weeks later, I'm terrible. Um, so, yeah, hey, Dan, I want to ask you just a philosophical question, if I may. Mm-hmm. How, how, um, what's the challenge of self-assessing, of being open to all options, to all that kind of stuff when you're trying to, you know, get things back on track? I mean, it, you know, you, things work that aren't working or aren't working that mm-hmm. work, et cetera. How, what's the challenge? I, I think the biggest one is, is, is this, is you, you have to look and be able to check your own ego and everything that's going on. And, you know, I, I um, learned that a, a, a long time ago. I think, you know, the, one of the big big one times that I've, I, I think I learned in careers when I first came to Florida, we were running this spread offense that was rolling and we had different style players here and it just wasn't working quite well. And, you know, all of a sudden you think, hey, I have all the answers uh, with the offense that we're running. And you don't. And so you have to sit back and say, okay, um, one, let's, let's just evaluate what we're doing. And are we putting guys in a position to be successful? Are our guys developing and getting better? Um, and then be able to look at the whys, you know, what, why not? And then have the ability to look and say, okay, even though this has worked in the past, it's not currently working right now. Why not? And because you need to, to to fix the problems, you need to know why they're not working. You don't just, you know, you're not. If not, you're just throwing parts to the board. Uh, so you really want to evaluate what's going on and have the ability to look and say, even though I've done it this way for a long time, it's not currently working. Why is it not working? Okay, this is the reason. This is the why. Okay, then what is the why to fix why it's not working? And uh, and and then you go and figure out how to do that, and and you make your changes, and you uh, and you get better. Is that a constant conversation running through your head right now? And are you writing stuff down? I mean, what's your process? I do. I mean, that's well. I mean, I'll be honest. You learn that as a coach. You know, you're 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 always getting better. You're either getting better or you're getting worse. You know, and sometimes staying the same makes you better. Sometimes changing makes you better. Just change doesn't make you better. But you know, staying the same doesn't make you better either. You know, I mean, at, at times you have to look at each scenario is different. Um, and where we're at and how to do it. And, and that's a constant evaluation. You know, I think that's uh, one of the one of the great pressures, I guess, of, as a head coach is you are constantly evaluating everything on how to improve um, the program because as the head coach, I'm responsible for, for every aspect of this program. There you go. Responsible for every aspect of the program. So there you hear from Dan Mullen on Wednesday, SEC Coaches Teleconference. And just to kind of summarize and discuss just a bit before we get into the defensive coordinator hot board here, uh, you said to make the changes now was – he didn't say this on Monday. It didn't, interesting he brought it up this today in this, uh, in this setting that these moves also made for early signing day. Mentions recruiting here. Uh, as an aspect of getting rid of Todd Grantham and John Hevesy. And uh, he, so you can weigh that a couple ways. I mean, if you knew you were going to make the moves, as he said, you know, he was probably going to make these moves after the season anyway, just decided to go ahead and do it. But if you knew you were going to go ahead and do it and you wanted to get a jump start on recruiting, then these moves probably could. And I know we've said this along the way, it could have been made well before now. Maybe after the LSU game, uh, maybe earlier point in the season uh, when these moves could have been made. And of course, the, these couple weeks in between here, probably nitpicking, not that big of a difference. But I think if you knew a few weeks ago, then you probably could have made those moves then. Uh, so you know, if recruiting was that uh, much of a of a part of it, you knew you were going to eventually get rid of them after the season, uh, and it took that performance Saturday night. And that leads me to believe there might have been just a bit more pressure to go ahead and do it after that performance uh, leading to um, instead of just damn well and making it himself. Like I, as I said, I think the moves are going to be made anyway, uh, but I just think that performance Saturday night absolutely sped it up from many angles there. Uh, and maybe Mullen would have made the move <laughs> anyway after that ugly performance Saturday versus South Carolina. Uh, so um, one interesting, another aspect of it and, he was, you know, asked about hiring some good defensive coordinators back in his time at Mississippi State. And I think we have to remember, and what we'll look for as we discuss this defensive coordinator hot board is his two best 
Manny Diaz and Jeff Collins, they weren't promotions from within. You know, those were guys that came in, Dan Mullen identified, brought them in as defensive coordinators. Uh, and no matter the success right now, those guys being head coaches, they were successful enough defensive coordinators to get head coaching positions. Uh, and those come from outside of the program. Dan Mullen went and found those guys. He didn't promote uh, from within his two most successful defensive coordinators uh, in his time as a head coach. So I think as we just sit here and discuss this defensive coordinator hot board, there's something to keep in mind there. As, as I'll go through the list here, there's nobody currently on Florida staff that's on my list right now. And we'll see how, how Christian Robinson does. You know, I can't put somebody who has never called a play a day in his life as a defensive coordinator. I cannot put him on this list as a, as a hot board. I need to see. I mean, I, I would rather have these guys I'm about to list more than I would Christian Robinson anyway uh, right now. But maybe he comes out and does something, And but I would not go uh, necessarily that route. I don't think Dan Mullen can hang his hat on next year, how critical next year is, uh, or Christian Robinson being the defensive coordinator. I think he's going to have to go outside of the program and hire his next defensive coordinator. Uh, and then, you know, I asked there, of course, uh, how much – Will he be involved, and can he rely on some of the veterans that's on the staff and, and Turner and, and McGriff? And you know, he explained there how what his involvement is uh, in the defense. Of course, he's the head coach. He's just wondering, would he be involved even more? Uh, and, of course, look, no wholesale changes. We knew that, and that's one reason you know, that was apparent, going with Christian Robinson taking over for Todd Grantham. He knows his defense in and out. Mullen has a lot of familiarity with Christian Robinson as well. His familiar, familiarity with the defense is really going to help, I think, as well. But also, go back. He brought him back last season, or not brought him back, but made a, a stance to, to keep him from going to Michigan. I think Dan Mullen really has a lot of belief uh, in Christian Robinson here. And, look, I think the, the, there's some stories out right now, right now about how hard it is to work for Todd Grantham and how he would not take a lot of input from a lot of other people on staff right now. And I've been told, you know, Christian Robinson did want to do some different things with the linebackers, but just kind of overruled uh, there in this defense. And now he has his chance to kind of coach these guys how he wants them to, coach the whole defense how he wants them to, from front to back in the defense he's very familiar with. He played in it. He's coached in it. And the players really respect him. They relate to him. The players really, really like Christian Robinson. I've been told that before this week, and it's been – pounded on this week of how much these players really respect him, how much they like him. Of course, that doesn't mean everything that we want it to mean as far as going out there and performing, but I do think you start somewhere in a better shape in what these guys are looking for as far as a belief in a defensive coordinator and maybe getting the message across. Christian Robinson, I can't, I think, can do can go a long way uh, in that. There will be a simplified approach in this defense, and of course, it makes sense. You have a guy calling first-time plays, play, calling plays for the first time. I think he needs to simplify it for himself. I think we've all agreed that defense needs to be simplified just overall, anyway, for the players' sake. And I think it will be now too. I think it just filters down from a simplified approach from Christian Robinson because he needs it, and then I also just think it helps because the players need it as well. And then Dan Mullen looking at the big picture uh, a bit of with his philosophical approach there asked by Edgar uh, and says, you know, you have to look at the why and the why nots. You know, why is it working? Why is it not working? And you go back to Monday and Dan Mullen did kind of say he doesn't necessarily know why it's not working out right now. Um, and I'm sure he has some good inclination of, of why. That's probably why some of the coaching changes uh, were made. That's probably step one, uh, getting a new voice and getting new ideas and, uh, confidence in these players. I think that goes a long way here, uh, but probably can figure out it just a little bit more as he just assesses the whole situation. It is hard to do wholesale in the season, uh, but also, as he says, you know, when to change and when not to change. And I know that's been a hot topic uh, for, for Dan Mullen so far is when do you change your approach? And boy, you can't blame him for being stuck in his ways, but you can't blame him for when he decides the changes need to be made. And I think we all or not all, I don't want to speak for all of you, uh, a lot of us agreed that maybe a little too reactive, not proactive, um, when to change, when not to change. He, he spoke on that, uh, but, you know, and how to get better. Maybe this is a realization point. Maybe these firings are a realization point. Maybe it's too late. He's been under more, he's under more pressure now than he's ever been in as a head coach. And I know there was 
you know, some Mississippi State fans who told us to worry and, and warned us about certain things about Dan Mullen, but he's never been under this pressure. Yes, they wanted him to recruit better at Mississippi State, but not what it is here, especially not on a national scale and all the critiques and criticisms that come with that. He's under a lot of pressure. There are some changes. Will the changes be enough? Really just wait and see mode. We, we don't know. We don't know. We'll get our answer. Probably next year. I think Dan Mullen will still be on the sidelines. Unless just, I still don't know some barring collapse for the rest of the season, Missouri and FSU games, and see what happens there. Uh, but, you know, are these changes sig- signifying he'll be back in 2022 and the other changes that he has to make, will they be enough? So there you go. Dan Mullen at the SEC Coaches Teleconference. A lot of good stuff there, of course, to include. I, I don't think I've ever really included that here in Gators Breakdown, but with all the questions surrounding what's going on at the defensive coordinator position and kind of the theme of this episode, I thought it was important to uh, break that down uh, here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. All right, defensive coordinator, hot board coming up. But before we get there, football season. It's also tailgating season, and there's nothing better for a tailgate than Four River Smokehouse. Named the number one barbecue in the South by Southern Living Magazine. Four River Smokehouse is a family-owned barbecue restaurant specializing in 18-hour smoked Angus brisket. Got to get that brisket. You got to have those ribs, pulled pork sliders, pulled chicken sliders, those fresh-baked desserts, the home-style sides, all of it at Four River Smokehouse's 13 Florida locations. Four Rivers party packages come tailgate ready, so you can spend more time watching the game, not the grill, hang out with your friends, watch all these beautiful football games that uh, are going to be on the TV this week. Enjoy the Great Iron Pack for four for $54.99 or the Party for 12 package for $109. Each package includes Four Rivers award-winning barbecue meats, home-style sides, buns, and signature barbecue sauce. Now, for a limited time, take $5 off on orders of $25 or more when ordering in-store or by phone when you mention Gators Breakdown. So Gators, whether you're coming into Gainesville for the game on Friday night, you can stop by Four Rivers then. Since it's a noon game, you can go to Four Rivers afterwards. But if you're in town for the game, swing by Four Rivers Gainesville located in Butler Plaza. Or if you're tailgating at home in the Orlando, the Jacksonville, Tampa, or Tallahassee areas, then you can also enjoy the best barbecue anywhere in Florida at Four River Smokehouse. And tell them Gators Breakdown sent you. All right, hot board time, hot board time. So, of course, I had to do a lot of research and go to a lot of the, the bio pages of uh, these defensive coordinator candidates at their uh, respective schools now, get a little bit of history on them, and kind of see where they're at this season as well. So let's start with kind of the young hot name that's going on out there right now, Doug Belt, defensive coordinator at Houston. In his third season at Houston overall, uh, promoted to defensive coordinator this past offseason back in January of 2021. He was promoted to associate head coach in January of 2020. Hired as a co-defensive coordinator and safeties coach in 2019 at Houston after spending two seasons as cornerbacks coach at West Virginia. In 2018, Belk's cornerbacks pivotal role, West Virginia, ranking second in the Big 12 and top in number 12 nationally with 15 interceptions. This cornerback, Keith Washington Jr., tied for fifth in the Big 12 with three interceptions on the year in 2018. In Big 12 play, West Virginia hauled in 12 interceptions, ranking number one in the conference in uh, the 2017, that defense ranked 16th nationally in most defensive three and outs per game and number 24 in best third down defense. Uh, prior to his time at West Virginia, here's where you'll kind of get where you can start making some connections. Served as defensive grad assistant coach at Alabama for two years, working with defensive backs. He worked directly with head coach Nick Saban and defensive coordinators Kirby Smart, Jeremy Pruitt, assisting with all aspects of the defensive secondary as well as with special teams. So, look, Kirby Smart tried to hire him as a defensive back coach after Charlton Warren left last year. Uh, Film Valdosta, Doug Belk is, uh, as I said, Alabama graduate assistant, worked with Kirby Smart there. So Kirby knows him, and Kirby's trying to bring him on as a DB coach uh, last year 
but he decided to stay a defensive coordinator at Houston. So I already let you know what Kirby Smart thinks about him, but he decided, and probably the right move, you're a defensive coordinator now, of course, a, a good year at, uh, at George as a DB coach. Um, but, you know, you're already a defensive coordinator. So you can kind of see why Doug Bell is not making that move. But it lets you know the experience he's had with Saban, Smart, Pruitt, Smart wanting to hire him now at Georgia. You can see kind of why uh, there's a lot of positivity around this hire uh, or candidate. Uh, so, so far this year at Houston, Cougars unit ranks fourth in third down conversion percentage. Um, fourth in team sacks. Seventh in first downs for the defense. You know, teams not converting first downs on them. Seventh in rushing defense. Seventh in total defense. Twelfth in fumbles recovered. And 15th in defensive touchdowns. So, there you go. I mean, it's you can see now at Houston, of course, we know it's a, a lower level, but you can only do what you can do. And he's playing with the same level of talent as a lot of other people. You mentioned his background there. And for now, this year at Houston, Ranking pretty high in a lot of categories. Cougars ranked fourth nationally in team sacks per game. Against SMU, the Cougars delivered three against a front that had just allowed two sacks all season. October 7th at Tulane, Houston notched eight sacks in a game, the highest single, single sack total for them um, since 11 sacks in the 36-10 victory over Louisville in 2016. And among AAC Conference top 10 individual leaders in sacks, four are from Houston. He's a defensive coordinator, getting after the quarterback, causing turnovers as well. Houston has recovered eight fumbles in nine games, ranking 12th nationally, have forced a turnover in all nine games, including two interceptions against USF last week. He's worked with Saban, Smart, Mel Tucker, similar scheme to what we've seen from those guys, Todd Grantham, uh, but running it correctly with the best players <laughs> that he can get out there. And that's, you know, run, running the scheme with the best players. And that's uh, what he's doing. Uh, so, and that's what, you know, very similar scheme would translate well for a lot of these players, but run it better. So uh, knows how to recruit the South. And that's uh, nothing that can't be overlooked, of course. Recruited the South there at West Virginia, especially the state of Georgia, but he has a great reputation as a recruiter. You go out there and just start looking at articles talking about Doug Belk and how West Virginia raised their recruiting level. A lot of it was him recruiting in the South, especially in the state of Georgia. So I know want better recruiting in our own state of Florida, but it does let you know he can get the job done. Uh, in another com very competitive state, the state of Georgia, he was able to help West Virginia there you would hope it could translate to Florida as well. So there's Doug Belk, one. That's the uh, kind of young up-and-comer hot name that is out there. Somebody else I'm going to throw out there. Not a lot of talk I've seen around, but Charlie Partridge uh, up there at Pitt. Uh, entering his fifth season on Pat Narduzzi's Pitt staff, Charlie Partridge, um, a lot of experience. Uh, some as a head coach, um, an accomplished assistant, and well-known as a recruiter in the state of Florida. Uh, so there's a lot of contributions there. He was elevated to assistant head coach by Pat Narduzzi at Pitt prior to the 2018 season. Now his position, defensive front, and that's where he's had his specialty um, and dominant at Pitt, especially the last two seasons. High production there. Um, an amazing 67% of Pitt's FBS 97 sacks over the 2019-2020 seasons came from the defensive line. 67% of the sacks. And his players also highly decorated. In 2020, last year, Pitt boasted the country's top defensive end duo, Patrick Jones II, Rashad Weaver, both earned All-American honors. It was the first time since 1977 that Pitt has had two defensive players earn consensus status in the same season. Additionally, defensive tackle Kalaja Kansi was named freshman All-American by three different sources. And here you go. Partridge himself garnered postseason accolades when Football Scoop named him the 2020 Defensive Line Coach of the Year. So associate head coach at Pitt or assistant head coach at Pitt and then also earned 
2020 Defensive Line Coach of the Year. In 2019, um, the year before tackle Jalen Twyman was named second team all SC or all American by six different outlets after compiling a team high 10 and a half sacks. They became the first interior defensive lineman to leave Pitt in sacks since Aaron Donald in 2013. Um, NFL draft as well. Um, I mean, all these names that uh, Patrick Jones, as I mentioned earlier. So Jones by the Minnesota Vikings, Weaver for Tennessee Titans, uh, Twyman for the Vikings as well, all selected in the 2021 NFL draft. So sending guys to the league as well. So this is his second tour at Pitt. I originally served under head coaches Walt Harris and Dave Wanstaff from 2003 to 2007. Now here's where we get kind of local a bit. He returned to Pitt after serving three seasons as head coach at FAU, uh, a program in need of a rebuild, of course, on and off the field. He signed three of the best recruiting classes in FAU history. His 2015 class was held as the best in conference, was held as the best in conference USA. Partridge recruited 10 players to FAU who have gone on to sign NFL contracts. Uh, so uh, there you go. Uh, feather in the cap for recruiting in the state. Got some SEC experience as well. 2013 season in Arkansas, where he served as assistant head coach, oversaw defensive line. Under his watch, defensive end Trey Flowers, Chris Smith, all SEC performers, also contributed to Razorback special teams. <laughs> You'll notice I'll say special teams like that when it comes up, because we know Florida needs some help there as well. Now, he featured in all SEC kickers, Zach Hawker and punter Sam Irwin, uh, ranked 15th nationally with a 44.3 yard average and also instrumental early in his career. One of the five best five-year runs in Wisconsin from 2008 to 2012, uh, serving as a defensive line and specialist coach there as well. He was elevated to associate head coach and co-defensive coordinator his final two seasons at Wisconsin. Wisconsin won three consecutive big 10 titles from 2010 to 2012, earning Rose Bowl bursts each of the season. He was there from 08 to 12, and from 2010 to 2012, won three consecutive Big Ten titles. Partridge oversaw Wisconsin defensive front, most accomplished pupil, defensive end J.J. Watt. So there we go. This season, so far right now, Pitt boasts, I mean, they've been in the spotlight more so this year with their uh, performance um, this year so far and boast impressive national defensive rankings in two key categories this year, third and fourth down conversion rates. And we know how important that is here at Florida from Todd Grantham, where it just was hardly ever relied upon. Third down, fourth down conversion rate. Pitt ranks 11th in the country, third in the ACC and third down defense, and lead the entire nation in fourth down defense. Only 15.4% being... Um, converted on them. Third down was only 31.1% conversion rate. Teams have only converted 38 of 122 third downs on pit. They're ranked nationally and second in the ACC with an average of 3.4 sacks per contest, 31 total so far this year. Collected 46 total sacks last season, tied with Clemson for most in the country. Panthers compiled their total over 11 games, one fewer than Clemson. The NCAA credits Pitt with 58 tackles for loss this season and averages 6.4 tackles lost per game, ranks 24th nationally there. So there you go. Charlie Partridge, I've brought his name up plenty of before, someone I wanted Dan Mullen to go after um, before he brought in Todd Grantham. Um, so I would not mind Charlie Partridge roaming the sidelines with, I mean, look, sack numbers too. We know that haven't translated – as much um, under Todd Grantham, sack numbers were there. Uh, but somebody who could relate these sack numbers, these tackle for loss numbers, and be good in third and fourth down defense, that's what you're seeing so far with Charlie Partridge this season at Pitt. So there's one name you probably haven't seen many other places. I'm going to bring up another one here. David Reeves, UAB defensive coordinator, enters his fourth se fifth season. At defensive coordinator at UAB, sixth season overall at UAB. And I know look, this probably doesn't get you a whole a, a, a whole a whole lot excited uh, for a defensive coordinator at UAB, but has done so well there 
with limited resources and nowhere near the resources uh, that he'd have at Florida. Two-time Broyles Award nominee, Reeves is. A unit has been one of the most disruptive defense in the country over the past three years, finishing top 10 nationally in total defense in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Currently 22nd in 2021, played Georgia this year. So that's uh, skewed the defense just a little bit. Not as much, um, but they are improving as the season goes on after a pretty slow start during the season. Uh, but look, 22nd overall in, in, in total defense, not that bad either. But top 10 the last three years in 2018, 2019, and 2020. Paved the way for UAB to win Conference USA, Conference USA a record three straight West Division titles and two of the last three Conference USA championships. Over the past three seasons, UAB has been among the nation's best in getting to the quarterback, compiling 113 total sacks, 277 tackles for loss. Additionally, UAB has been able to get off the field when it counted the most. Here we go again. Going to bring it up. Finished second nationally in third down defense in 2018. Third nationally in 2019. And seventh nationally last year in 2020. So there you go. Top 10 again in another category that we want to see improvement in. Third down defense. Number two in 2018, number three in 2019, and number seven last year in 2020. Uh, in 2020, for the second straight year, finished top 10 in the country in passing yards allowed, 173.2 yards per game. For a third straight year, UAB finished top 10 nationally in total defense, of course. As I just said, UAB ranked seventh by allowing opponents to gain just 311 yards per game. They got to opposing quarterbacks often in last year in nine games played, 21 sacks, average of 2.3 a game. USB, UAB also caused a turnover in every game except one, recorded 14 total turnovers, including eight interceptions and six fumble recoveries. He's been a semifinalist for the Broyles Award in 2018 and a nominee in 2019. That goes to the nation's top assistant coach so not just top defensive coordinator not just top offensive coordinator assistant coach period he's been in that Broyles award conversation so under his guidance the Blazers shattered the record book along with finishing ninth in total defense and with 299 yards a game in 2018 UAB ranked top 10 nationally in five other statistical categories that year second and third down defense fifth and fourth down defense fifth in sacks per game seventh in scoring defense seventh in tackles for loss per game. Additionally, UAB set school records with 48 sacks, 111 tackles. Blazers also pitched three shutouts in 2018, which led the nation, and they were the first team in Conference USA history to have three shutouts in one season, 52 nothing versus Savannah State, 42 nothing at Rice, 19 nothing at UTEP. So there you go. You get a little bit of recent history there. A name that I would say watch out for, David Reeves, UAB defensive coordinator. A lot of history there. I know Conference USA, UAB doesn't get a whole lot of people excited. Um, but you can't argue with the results he's brought to the table so far. Um, but look, turnarounds. We're talking about turnarounds here. This defense needs a turnaround. I'll go back a little further for him. In 2014, his first season at UAB, integral part of the Blazers' remarkable turnaround. We saw them finish 6-6 six and six after being 2-10 and 10 the year before. They improved 44 spots in total defense in 2014, led by their defensive line. They tallied 34 sacks that season, which was 16 more than the year before. Also finished with 81 tackles for loss, which was a plus 21 difference from the previous year. At the conclusion of 2014, Defense allowed 29.9 points against them, which was an average of 14 points better than the year before when they allowed 43.8 points a game the year before. So he improved the defense right away and then be let them become, not led them to become one of the nation's best defenses the last three seasons. So. Looking at it right now, where are they at? The Blazers have recorded a takeaway in seven straight games. 
had a season high four takeaways on two different occasions this year. What does Florida struggle with? Turnovers. At Tulane and Florida Atlantic this year. Uh, UAB has eight interceptions this season, six fumble recoveries. Over the last five games, UAB has created 12 turnovers. Their 14 turnovers gained ranked the Blazers 29th nationally. Uh, kind of um, what you're looking at here from their defense under him, the Blazers are incredibly aggressive, really attack the ball, no problem leaving defensive backs on an island. They run multiple sets, mostly a 4-2 base. Whatever, I mean, most people run that now. That's just what you're going to get with the, how offenses play. But you like hearing multiple sets. And they really use their powerful, rangy, outside linebackers as edge rushers. So there's your scouting report a bit on UAB's defense, led by David Reeves. So one more name you're probably not hearing a whole lot about, but I'm going to throw it out there just because of what they've been able to do recently. Now, recruiting, of course, I think you'd have to worry about that a bit. Um, Not a lot of known names, but you're at UAB. would could you take a chance? You got a lot of production here to fall back on. How would the recruiting be? That would be the big question. All right, next name Glenn Schumann, Georgia co defensive coordinator, inside linebacker coach at Georgia. Now, I know Dan Lanning gets from Georgia, gets brought up a lot in this conversation, but look, he's getting a head coaching job somewhere soon, probably after this season. So, Schumann could take over that role. If Lanning leaves, he could take over as sole defensive coordinator. So the move to get him would need to be soon uh, if he's willing to jump before whatever happens to Lanning. But I think uh, that if you're going to try and get Schumann, the move needs to happen fast because I think he gets that defensive coordinator job at, G- at Georgia um, if Lanning goes on and le- if he goes on to leave. Schumann was named co-defensive coordinator and inside linebackers coach at Georgia February 2019 after three seasons in charge Bulldogs uh, of just their inside linebackers. It was all he had to worry about there, but now shares co-defensive coordinator with Dan Lanning. He came to Georgia after eight seasons at the University of Alabama, serving two years, or his last two years, as director of player development and associate director of player personnel. In the past two seasons, you know, before this season, Georgia's defense led the nation in rushing defense in both 2019 and 2020, in scoring defense in 2019, and in rushing touchdowns allowed in 2019. Bulldogs ranked second and third, respectively, in total defense nationally in the 2020-2019 seasons. So I reached out to my buddy Robbie Stelton Pole, who you guys heard uh, on the Florida Georgia preview episode um, the last couple years. Quote for him, he was expected to leave twice now for defensive coordinator jobs. Uh, believe he's interviewed for a couple as well. The biggest fear, he was going to South Carolina last year with Shane Beamer. The expectation right now is if when Lanning leaves, he's next in line for the defensive coordinator role at Georgia. Um, he's had three straight elite middle linebackers, Smith, Rice, and now Dean. I mean, there you go. <laughs> and those are the guys he's coaching – uh, and hard to uh, hard to argue the results. I know we don't like what we see in that red and black on the uh, – we just saw him on the field just a couple weeks ago. Uh, but there's even a thought that Schumann is the best developer, best developer of talent on the entire staff in Georgia. So I don't think landing's attainable. Schumann may not be either, but I'm definitely asking. I'm asking soon. He's probably one of my top choices to there. there. You know he's at Georgia. You know he can recruit. You go and make a move as soon as you can to see what the interest would be and see if you can make a move fast. Co-DC at Georgia, and you see what they're playing with, playing playing for. They'll be playing for an SEC championship. They'll be playing for um, college football playoff more than likely. Could you get him to come in right away with all that? And Dan Muller said, we're making these moves now. Uh, so we can get a head start on early signing day. You know, could he do both? I think uh, you, you at least got him. If if he's the guy, you at least got to make it known out there that he's going to be the guy. And I think if he was to accept the role and told Kirby Smart he would be, then might be saying, okay, well, we don't want the distraction. You go on anyway. 
or they could just want him there because we got to see what happens with Dan Lanning there at Georgia as well. So I think both guys, Lanning and Schumann, will be getting a whole lot of interest from schools out there. Uh, but I think more Lanning for a head coach role out there somewhere else. And then Schumann, defensive coordinator at other schools, hopefully Florida maybe, or sticking at Georgia and being a sole D.C. Uh, next season. So there you go. There's one. Uh, so as I said, you heard landing a whole lot from the Georgia side, but I'm throwing Schumann in there uh, as, as well. So, all right, another hot name that is being discussed that Mike would just – you could you, you would be on the fast track. You could talk to him. He might could start almost right away. It would be Gene Chizik. And I know that name's out there a good bit. And – had him on Gators Breakdown during the summer. So I'm going to play the soundbite that I had him on back in the summertime of what it would take for him to become a defensive coordinator, get back into coaching. If the right job comes along, uh, I'm absolutely, uh, you know, never going to say never. Um, I, I, without question, uh, feel like I've kept up with the game on purpose uh, I do football in the off season, the entire off season with a lot of different coaches. Sometimes it's um, doing some consulting with defenses. Sometimes it's just bringing and meeting with different coaches to stay up on the game so that if I do choose to go back in, uh, I won't be behind the, behind the eight ball. So uh, I'll never say never. Uh, if the right opportunity presents itself and it has to be a really good one, uh, I, would, uh, I would certainly uh, entertain it. Uh, but at this point in my life, it has to be something really good that really excites me uh, because I got a great TV gig. Um, you know, I'm still involved with the game of football. Uh, and, and so I love that part of it. Uh, but again, to, to say to say that I would never jump back in, that that would be uh, that would be misleading. Uh, but I have not found the exact one uh, that I love. And I would have to love it, L-O-V-E, not like it, love it. I've had a lot of likes uh, that were offered to me, but no loves. So uh, if that answers your question, <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at on this. There you go. That's what Gene Chizik said back in the summertime before this football season started. If he'd get back into coaching, he'd have to love the situation. And from everything that I've been told, he would entertain and would listen to Dan Mullen. So there you go. I think it would be a possibility uh, there. You got to go back a little bit to when he was defensive coordinator at, coordinator at North Carolina uh, before he decided to take this stint of retirement. Would he become out of retirement? That was the question there, of course. And you got that answer. But what did he do before? They were So looking at points per game, 42nd in the country at North Carolina, giving up 24.5 points a game in 2015 and 43rd in points per game in 2016 with 24.9. So around that 24 points a game range is what he ended with at, at North Carolina. Historically a 4-3 defense can adjust a bit. Uh, as he said, he keeps up with the game. I mean, coaching clinics during the offseason uh, has to for his job as well on the SEC network. Played at Florida in the 80s. You can go back and listen to the interview there uh, for, for Gene Tiddick if you uh, want even more. Um, that's pretty much the gist of it there of what I just played for you guys, but go back to more of a background at Florida as well. Uh, so he's a Florida guy played at Florida in the eighties. Uh, would he entertain? Would he? Yes. Would he come back to Florida? I think you would under the, the right circumstance. Uh, you'd bring somebody with a lot of sec experience. Um, somebody who knows how to recruit in the sec, but what are the relationships like in the state of Florida? What are the relationships like in the South? Got a lot of relationships with coaches around the South by being at Auburn in North Carolina. But he's been out of the game, so there's your worry there just a bit. And, you know, not the young, energetic um, that a lot of people are kind of pointing to that they want for this defensive coordinator position at Florida. But I don't think you could throw away the possibility of having Gene Chizik on the sidelines in Gainesville. All right. Just a couple more names here before we wrap it up. Just quick, Marquand Manuel, I know his name uh, comes up a lot. Former Florida Gator, former secondary player for the Gators, of course. Now he's with the New York Jets in the NFL after being defensive coordinator under Dan Quinn for the Falcons. Some good early success there 
uh, for the Falcons when he was defensive coordinator in 2017 and 2018, or um, he was secondary coach in 2015, 2016, then the defensive coordinator for the Falcons in 2017 and 2018. Falcons were eighth in the NFL in 20 in total defense in 2017, slipped to 25th in 2018. So here we go. Of course, he's never coached in college. There's your worry. Recruiting would be a huge part of this. I don't know damn well I can go that route. I don't know you can take a risk on somebody who hasn't recruited. That's what you need. You need a recruiter as much as you need a coach. And you know, not he's had the one good year in the NFL with the Falcons. Not much to point to uh, after that. As I said, currently coaching with the Jets. Do guys want to come from the NFL back to college football where you have to pamper, where you have to recruit? It's a big ask, big ask there. Um, would he listen? I don't know. Um, but somebody I think you have to keep an eye on, somebody you'd have to place on a board. But not, have a, not having a background in recruiting probably keeps me away here as Mullen needs that now more than ever. Tavares Robinson name comes up as well. DB coach under Will Muschamp here at Florida when Will Muschamp was head coach. Then the defensive coordinator for Will Muschamp at South Carolina. Good recruiter, of course. We know, we know the history there. Hasn't made a ton of improvement there for that Miami defense. That's where he's at right now in his first season um, from leaving Will Muschamp in South Carolina, down now down in Miami. Miami, we know about their struggles uh, as well, but strong recruiting background in the state, especially in South Florida. With Dan Mullen look that route? We know last year a lot of talk if he would come in and be part of this staff. Uh, of course, with his background, he would – like to be defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator. Todd Grantham was not going to share that role. That was never going to work out. Robinson ends up in Miami with Dan Mullen, come back around, circle that wagon again, and have Robinson come in as defensive coordinator at Florida. So now one of my top choices that I just don't think is going to happen, put it on the hot board just for the sake of putting it on the hot board. I don't think it will happen, but Jim Leonard, Wisconsin defensive coordinator, one of my top choices, if not the top choice. Now, his recruiting in the South, of course, yeah, he's at, he's at Wisconsin. Uh, but I think his reputation would probably help him a bit there. But I just don't see it. He is a Wisconsin lifer. He played at Wisconsin, probably in line for the head coaching job there uh, whenever that comes open. But he turned down the Green, Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator position last year. The Packers wanted to bring him on board as their defensive coordinator in the NFL. He told him no. He was going to stay at Wisconsin. I relate that to he'd probably tell Florida no as well. Maybe different. Maybe he just likes the college game overall better, and a job like Florida would pique his interest. But playing at Wisconsin, I think, and now being defensive coordinator there, I think he's a Wisconsin lifer. By You check. You make that call and make sure. Maybe he just didn't want to be in the NFL and he likes to stay in college. He'd like to be at a big-time program like Florida. Maybe a fast track to, I mean, he probably could be a head coach already at some kind of lower tier program, but you go, you know, you've already done it at Wisconsin, you go be defensive coordinator at Florida and turn that right around. Probably asking and setting up for a big, big job there. Uh, so, so there's a, my hot board, a lot of this, some big names, some not so big names. Uh, but I think, um, you know, looking and what Dan Mullen and they kind of talked about today of hiring from outside the program. You know, these are the names I think you look at with the success he's had there. He's made some good hires at defensive coordinator. Uh, of course, a lot of this would be who would come in at defensive coordinator with the hot seat talk uh, of Dan Mullen. Look, there's a lot of reward that comes with this. I mean, Florida could have a so-so year next year. Dan Mullen does end up getting fired. But say you do turn the defense around anyway. For whatever reason, I'm not saying this happens, but for whatever reason, the offense – inconsistent again and just doesn't get it done and you know it, it ends up being time to move on from Dan Mullen I still think you can make this defense good enough where people would take notice and it fast tracks your career either for another bigger defensive coordinator job maybe a head coaching job but having Florida on your resume it's not bad not bad at all I think people would be lining up still now I'd, of course there would be that question you'd have to make the paycheck worth it I think the reward could outweigh the risk for a lot of these guys. So which ones would listen? Which ones wouldn't listen? How could it play out? But there 
are guys that I'd be looking for if I had any any say. <laughs> I, look, I don't want saying that. That's not what I'm saying at all. You, you, you guys, the staff needs to make this decision. Hopefully it's a good one, but if I could, these are some of the names I'd be looking for for to replace defensive coordinator or outgoing defensive coordinator, Todd Grantham. So there we go. Doug Belt, Charlie Partridge, David Reeves from UAB. A lot of names here. Gene Chiswick, Glenn Schumann, Marquand Manuel, Tavares Robinson, Jim Leonard. There's my hot board. May I even be one of those guys? <laughs> Could work out that way. Uh, okay, there we go. So quickly before we sign off here, Samford coming up this week for the Gators. Complete effort game. That's all this is. More about Florida than it is Samford, of course. Go out there under Christian Robinson. Simplify this defense. Go out there and tackle. Play with some physicality. Let the communication be on point. Get into a groove somewhat as much as you can in one game. Uh, get your feet under. This is going to be a learning experience game for the defense in learning Christian Robinson style. But more importantly, Christian Robinson's style just in general for himself. What does he do? This could be a good experience for him. You know, get his feet under him a little bit in a game Florida should win. Take that experience and move on to the final two games of the season. So I think it's effort. I don't know how you'll be able to tell that so much going against a team like Sanford. But you know, if you want to go out there and tackle somebody, if you don't want to go out there and tackle somebody, that'll still be apparent. But if you want to go out there and play for your coach, play for this defensive coordinator that you apparently have a lot of respect for. If you have respect for your head coach, you go out there and, and, and continue to play and finish out the season, that'll be apparent. Maybe to get their confidence back with some of these moves. On offense, of course, you go look at the other side. Does Anthony Richardson get the start? Looks like he'll play as long as he's uh, – sounds like he's healthy. Lovell did say limited in practice on Tuesday, uh, but should be ready to go. Should be ready to play Saturday. Does he get the start? How does that look? Uh, and – um, some young guys getting some playing time, of course. What to look out there on offense. So not a lot to look forward to in that game. So maybe you get your football fix later on in the day with these SEC games. Let's take a look at these before we sign off here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Get some of the cupcake games out of the way this week. New Mexico State visits Alabama also at noon. Alabama coming off their close game versus LSU last week. Could be an entertaining game. Another one at noon on ESPN. Mississippi State goes to the Plains and takes on Auburn. Same time as Sanford and Florida there. So does Auburn bounce back after their disappointing loss last week versus Texas A&M? Then the 3.30 game of the week on CBS. Georgia goes on the road to Rocky Top to take on Tennessee. Can Tennessee's offense do anything against this Georgia defense? Should be fun to watch, see if Hendon Hooker and this Tennessee offense can continue their trend of scoring points going up and down the field. Georgia's you know, just overall probably one of their toughest tests as far as their defense against some kind of offense. May not matter. That defense pretty good, but we'll see. We'll see what happens when they go on the road to Rocky Top. Four o'clock, South Carolina and Missouri on the SEC Network. Overall, not a lot of experience there, but we'll see how uh, – not a lot of experience, not a, a lot of expectations in that game, but it's Florida's last opponent, South Carolina, versus Florida's next opponent in Missouri. You see how South Carolina responds after beating Florida last week and then Missouri, the game at home in preparation for Florida next week. Florida's game of the day in the SEC happens at 7 o'clock in Oxford. As Texas A&M visits Ole Miss. Should be a fun, fun game to watch. The A&M defense versus Matt Corral. The A&M defense did a good job on a pretty good Bo Nix this year. Can they do the same versus Matt Corral uh, this week? That game, 7 o'clock on ESPN. And then also at 7 o'clock, Kentucky and Vanderbilt. And at 7.30, Arkansas visits LSU. So there is your look around the SEC this week. Also got Florida State and Miami. So 
pretty good games around the SEC and in the state this week. So, all right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown, defensive hot board, defensive coordinator hot board edition. Plenty of names there. Shoot, shoot, shoot replies. YouTube replies, YouTube comments. Let me know what you think. If you're, Let me know what you think on social media, on Twitter. Let me, if you like these names, if you don't like these names, throw some more out there. I, look, I, I left off the Will Mush champs, the Charlie Strongs. I don't think those moves are happening. Um, I dealt a little bit in my own reality here. I just don't think those moves um, happen for Florida. Uh, so I went a route where I think Florida should look and where I think they can get someone. I don't think Will Muschamp's leaving Georgia. I don't think Charlie Strong's leaving the NFL. And plus, Charlie Strong comes back to college. He's suspended for two games. He can't even coach in two games. You don't take that risk. Dan Mullen cannot take that risk in 2022. So there you go. I, you know, I know those are popular hot names out there, big names out there, but I wouldn't go that route to begin with. And, and or I don't think that route is taken. I don't think Will Muschamp leaves Georgia for Florida. You don't go back to a place you were a head coach and become an assistant. You just don't. It just doesn't happen. So, could be wrong. It'd be a good hire. I just don't think it happened. So, all right. That'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>